It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Podcast special, The Two Kingdoms. Welcome back to the Message to Kings podcast. This is your host, Brett Houston. Before we head out as a family and move to Seattle, Washington, and as the podcast timeline transitions further from the deep character development of David and Solomon into the age of kings and prophets for Israel, let's step back, take a break, and talk about the upcoming two kingdoms and some podcast extras, a few personal reflections, And this is where we just speak to the audience of Message to Kings. First of all, let's start with a peek behind the veil to keep perspective of what's going on in the spiritual realm at this time. I believe we did more of this previously and got away from it, so I want to give a peek behind the veil. When David ruled Israel, it must have been, at times, like heaven on earth. Before Bathsheba, he took God and his ways very seriously. In fact, God will use the heart of David as a comparison for all future kings of Israel. According to Josephus, he made idol worship illegal and punished those he caught in idol worship. He did everything in his power to eradicate idol worship and the invitation of demons into his country was removed. Before his fall from grace and after he repented, there must have been angelic warriors posted at the borders of Israel and a covering of God's protection upon the country. The inflow of God's blessing was so staggering, very little was available to prevent the blessing of God from flowing into Israel. The devil had to reach far back to use the famine card with the genocide of the Gibeonites by Saul to even slow down God's blessing. In fact, God's blessing was so strong, it took three years of famine to even be noticed by David. There was the tabernacle and total access to the Ark of the Covenant and Ten of David and constant worship 24-7 in Jerusalem. It must have been, again, like heaven on earth. Incredible. Sin was constantly atoned for by a faithful priesthood and a godly king. There was weirdness later in his son's rebellion and Joab's troubles, but there must have been a constant checking of evil in the nation, with the exception of the troubles invited by David within his own family that the devil totally wanted to exploit. In the end, the family rebellions came to nothing, and dark forces were removed from Israel. Don't get me wrong, there was always people who didn't love God even in this time, and there was still sin, but generally speaking, dark principalities found no home or power in Israel. So pulling back the veil, consider the ark, the open heaven like in the times of Jacob, a ladder going to heaven, where God's angels ascended and descended, ministering and bringing gifts to people. No evil was allowed to prosper. Solomon walked into this incredible blessing. It was astounding. Demons were always assigned to destroy Israel, and they found no foothold because David made sure of this. There was still sin, but a faithful atoning priesthood and faithful king kept sin from prospering into a principality of darkness. The devil always wanted to destroy Israel and God's promises. 
He knew the prophecies to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's like there was a scribe in the dark courts of Satan who also kept a log of God's promises, and they were constantly trying to prevent them from happening. Judah received the prophecy that the scepter would not depart from him. Balaam, of all people, mentioned the scepter as well. And David received the prophecy of the eternal kingdom. We've got to understand the devil threw everything he could at David, and then at Solomon. And when he found a generational weakness in lust, he hurled everything he could at David. And then Solomon. And when Solomon broke, it was like the floodgates of hell came into Israel. And this is important to consider. When Solomon gave in to foreign women, more foreign women came until it reached hundreds and more hundreds. Through these ungodly soul ties, the devil was able to take away its king from its nation. When Solomon finally bowed his heart to foreign women, demons found their way back into Israel and swiftly found new dwellings in Israel as Solomon built altars to every god imaginable. As Solomon gave in, the blessing of God began to be intercepted and stolen by the thief, the devil, and his minions. And when the judgment word came of the breaking away of the kingdom into northern and southern parts, darkness invaded with terrifying swiftness. This is where we are at. Solomon is dead, and altars to every god are all over the land, and horrible things are occurring. Into this minefield, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, takes over the kingship. The spoiled playboy son of the king takes over, and let's just say his decision-making skills are quite lacking. Very soon, Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, is going to blow it and lose 10 of the tribes of Israel. In fact, Israel as we know it will lose all the subjugated or allied nations over time. The northern part will break away under the leadership of Jeroboam, and Rehoboam in the line of David will remain in the south. From this point, our story is going to increase in pace. There will soon be two kingdoms, Rehoboam and the southern tribe of Judah, and you can say Benjamin was a part of it as well, will remain in the south, but for clarity, it will now be called the kingdom of Judah, while the northern tribes will retain the name of Israel. And also to be clear, it's not exactly two tribes in the south. Most of the Levites or others of the faithful will travel and stay south, but it's generally the land area of the tribes of Benjamin and Judah that becomes the kingdom of Judah. In addition, as we move forward, the character development's going to be lacking, which may lead to more drama-type stuff to help understand the stories. The reason being, we don't have the Psalms, Proverbs, or extra books until we get to the prophets. There will be some surprises and other kings who do actually write Psalms, but not near to the quantity as before. It's going to be a while, but prolific prophets will arrive on the scene later. When this occurs, we'll have multiple dimensions again of the same story, which really aids in telling the Bible story. Not so soon, there'll be the accounts of Elijah and Elisha, which are just awesome. In fact, somebody needs to do a solo podcast on these guys. These guys are like podcasts in their own right. Who knows, this may be the timing of our next podcast special. Um, right before we start the account of Elijah. At the time of the period of the divided kingdoms picks up, we're going to cover lots of kings. And if you're a listener of the History of Rome podcast, there was a question constantly posed, who was the best Roman emperor? Well, why not ponder a similar question? 
who is your favorite king of Israel or your top five kings of Israel. David is clearly God's favorite. What's yours? There is Hezekiah. He's pretty awesome. And Josiah, radical Josiah, and Jehoshaphat and others coming up that have really cool stories. And go further. Here's another one. Who's your favorite prophet? That's a cool question. You got the crazy Elijah type who kind of dwells in the wilderness, shows up, drops a bomb and leaves. Depressed Jeremiah, naked prophesying Isaiah, heavenly encounter Ezekiel, or the city-dwelling cultured Elisha. In the north, Jeroboam's going to blow it. He's going to build idol-worshiping centers in the south and north of his kingdom to retain political power, and from it will come generations of idol-worshiping Israelites. Back to Haley's Bible handbook, this is what he said about the divided kingdom. The United Kingdom had lasted 120 years, Saul 40 years, David 40 years, Solomon 40 years. After the death of Solomon, the kingdom was divided. Ten tribes forming the northern kingdom called Israel. Judah and Benjamin formed the southern kingdom called Judah. The northern kingdom lasted a little over 200 years and was destroyed by Assyria. The southern kingdom lasted a little over 300 years and was destroyed by Babylon. The succession of the ten tribes was as of God, as punishment for the apostasy of Solomon and a lesson to Judah. Here's what he says about the religion of the northern kingdom. Jeroboam, founder of the northern kingdom, was to keep the two kingdoms separate, adopted calf worship, the religion of Egypt, as state religion of the newly formed kingdom. God worship had become identified with Judah and the family of David. The calf came to be a symbol of Israel's independence of Judah. Jeroboam rooted calf worship in the northern kingdom so deeply that it was not swept away until the fall of the kingdom. Baal worship introduced by Jezebel prevailed about 30 years and was exterminated by Elijah, Elisha, and Jehu, and never returned, though it did persist intermittently in Judah. Every one of the 19 kings of the northern kingdom followed the worship of the golden calf. Some of them also served Baal, but not one ever attempted to bring the people back to God. And this is what he says about the religion of the southern kingdom, God worship. Though most of the kings served idols and walked in the evil ways of the kings of Israel, some of Judah's kings served God, and at times there were great reformations in Judah. On the whole, however, in spite of the repeated warnings, Judah sank lower and lower into the horrible practices of Baal worship and other Canaanite religions till there was no remedy. All right, so let's give some personal reflections about David and Solomon. David still surprises me that he was so far ahead of his time, and the death of Uzzah still surprises me. And it may always, because I just don't think I totally get it. And I think it's because I have this New Testament mindset. It's just so hard to get my mind wrapped around the death of Uzzah. Thus, the seven commentaries I read on it. But still, they don't answer all of my questions. Some surprises with David. I must admit, I think I had the relationship with Jonathan all wrong. Jonathan must have been at least 20 years older than David, maybe even 30, looking at biblical history. He must have been like an uncle or something like that. Their friendship was more of a surrender of the kingship to a greater man. 
It's a story of honor of God and his purposes over even your own family. Jonathan saw the man he used to be or a greater man in David. It was this act that was so incredible, not exactly their friendship. I don't feel too bad about this error, and I probably won't go back and correct it, uh, because most of the commentaries actually made a similar error, not looking at the context um, and their ages. If anything, I prioritize their friendship over the authentic faith of the two men and Jonathan's astounding honor and humility. Regarding Solomon, so cool, such blessing. It's like he was the most blessed man on the earth, and it was impossible for him to fail, but he did, because he did everything. He worshipped hard and sinned hard. He played both sides, and we learn through Solomon that is impossible. No one, I mean no one, can play both sides and not get burned. Some surprises with Solomon. I enjoyed the naval history. That was pretty cool. Ophir is still mysterious and just cool. Mixing in Egypt was new for me. Thanks, Brant, for your help there. In the end, looking at the total context, Solomon's fall was even greater. The fact that he worshipped basically all gods at the end and built altars to them is absolutely terrible. At this point, Israel's hill and mountaintops are now covered by idol worship centers and principalities of darkness are rising in the land. All right, so let's chat about the podcast. What are your needs, Brett, since you asked? <laughs> the, the needs are your involvement in the project. Encouragement, feedback, your support. Always make it more fun and enjoyable. There's the need for extra scripting help as well. If you have a favorite character we haven't covered yet, and there's something profound out there, or you just put something together for yourself, maybe you have a personal journal or Bible study, but you found something when you studied a certain character that's profound, share it. And maybe we can put it in the podcast. Send it to me, we'll review it, and possibly write it into future scripts of the podcast. Regarding outside projects or podcast specials or effects, are you a sound guy, a Bible student, a musician? There's a place for everyone out there to assist with the project. We can always use help with sound, um, sound effects or um, even on the podcast specials. And if you've got some cool revelation on a Bible character, or maybe even symbolism, how it ties to Revelation or um, other areas of the Bible, or everything points to Jesus, right? So, or if you've got something, just send it our way. Message to Kings at gmail.com. Generally speaking, also, what's your feedback? We want to know. What would you, the audience, like to hear more about? What are your recommendations? Please let us know. Uh, whether you're a current listener or a post-listener, even months behind, or maybe years behind, that's okay. Email us at messagetokings at gmail.com. A few other things. So we got behind on Facebook and should have it current soon, and website updates should reflect Solomon um, in the near future. In addition to encouraging everyone in their faith, one of the goals um, is the study of and understanding of biblical history. 
We would love to connect with any ministries or museums or anything briefly related to biblical history. So if you work for them or have a connection there, um, or even you would like us to interview someone that could be related, um, feel free to you know get in touch with us. Message to Kings at gmail.com. So here's a few notes on future podcast episodes. This podcast special is really more of a regroup or transition. Next week, we'll cover Rehoboam and Jeroboam's split of the two kingdoms. The following week will be another podcast special. Call it a political drama or satire hosted by Brant Frost, toying with and viewing Rehoboam versus Jeroboam as a political drama. The following week, we'll be driving across the country and there'll be no episode on April 2nd. Afterward, we should be hosting from Seattle, Washington, um, normal weekly episodes beginning April 9th, assuming all goes according to plan. All right, so I think that's enough for the regroup episode. Thanks for tuning in this week and taking a look at the podcast. And above all, thanks to all the listeners who've made this all possible.